If you're enjoying the Teas Made podcast, I would love for you to check out my blog, which is also called The Teas Made. We're doing something called the So Slow Book Club, where I'm writing about the same book all year long. And I'm writing regular essays on everything from sending kids to college to why and what I'm loving creating in the kitchen these days. When you subscribe for free, you'll get my posts in your email inbox, or you can jump in on the conversation over at my page. I also have some optional goodies for paid subscribers that you're going to want to check out too. Spring is here, and I have a long list of topics I'm planning to cover. Everything from updated skincare recommendations to some recipes for fun spring-themed beverages. Come join the conversation about connection and creativity at theteasmade.com. Do you think of yourself as a creative person? Maybe you have the goal of being more creative in the new year, but you haven't quite figured out how to do it. Or maybe you think creativity is something that's only for artists with the capital A, people like painters and dancers and writers. If any of that applies to you, you're definitely going to want to listen to my conversation with writer and creativity coach, Amy Swarty. In our discussion, we talk about why it's so hard to see ourselves as creative in our current culture, but why actually everyone is creative. Grab your cup and get comfortable. It's time for the Teas Made. Hi friends, you're listening to the Teas Made and I'm so glad you're here. I'm Megan Francis, a writer, mom of five, and a lover of books, walks in the forest, cozy blankets, and of course, steaming cups of tea. This podcast is your chance to step out of the busyness of everyday life and find some calm and connection with cozy conversations about everything from natural wellness and self-care to creating comforting rituals and routines in your home and family life. And of course, we'll talk a little bit about beverages as well, including my very favorite beverage, tea. So take a moment to pour a cup of your favorite drink and pull up a chair. The tea's made, and I'm so glad you're here with me. Okay, this episode is dropping right before the new year starts. I know this is a time of year that a lot of us are thinking about creating new practices and habits. And I really want to encourage you to take the conversation you're about to hear to heart today and maybe think about intentionally incorporating more creativity into your life in 2024. Before we get into that conversation, I just want to quickly share what tea I'm drinking. So today is a little bit different. I'm actually drinking an herbal tea I created myself from rose hips, wild raspberry leaves, and mint that Eric and I foraged from our property. Now, this may seem a little bit extra to you, but foraging is something I was always curious about. And earlier this fall, I held a retreat here in Southwest Michigan, and we actually had a foraging and herbal medicine expert come and do an herb walk and a medicine-making workshop. So we walked all around my property, and she showed us edible plants that are just everywhere. And then we talked about the medicinal properties of each of them. It was really cool and we learned a ton. So this blend in particular is a great source of vitamin C. It's good for digestion. It's good for heart health and women's reproductive systems, just for starters. I'm actually going to be doing a whole episode about herbal tea and getting started foraging sometime in 2024. So look out for that. But I actually thought this was really relevant to our conversation today because I wouldn't necessarily have thought about something like walking around my property, picking plants, and then infusing them in hot water to be creative, but it really is. And after having my conversation with Amy Swarty, it really got me looking a little bit differently at what counts as creativity. Amy and I go way back to the early mom blogging days. She's a writer and a creativity coach. 
She facilitated a creativity workshop for that same retreat, and she facilitates a weekly co-create circle in my private community, the Tea Circle. So that's a chance for members to get together and work on a creative project of their choosing while also being in connection with other women. And sometimes they might be writing, sometimes they're drawing, sometimes it's an activity that we wouldn't necessarily think of as creative, like putting photos in an album or organizing recipes. These are the kinds of things we're doing all the time and we just think of as life, but there is a creative force happening when we're doing those activities. And in our conversation today, Amy explains why those activities are creative, why all of us have creative potential, probably more than we realize. And she also offers some great tips for nurturing a creative practice and really a creative life. So let's get into that conversation now. Hi, Amy. So happy to have you with me today. Hey, Megan. Great to be here. I know that people in our community know you very well. You facilitate a weekly creativity circle with us. But for for the listeners out there who don't know about you and your work, uh, tell us a little bit about you. Yes, I am a writer and a creativity coach, and I facilitate writing circles and retreats. And I have a free writing, co-writing session that I do every week, actually twice a week. Tuesday and Friday mornings for women, I host a yeah, co-writing circle where people can come show up and work on their own projects together. And yeah, yeah. Doing that. There's a lot of power in those co-writing, co-creating circles. I've been a part of your, it's not just for writers, the one that we do, it's, it's more for any creative project you want to do. But I do think that there's just something about showing up and sort of being in the presence of other people creating, even if it's virtually, that really does help. It helps you stay in your seat. Maybe that's yes. what it does. Yeah, that's one of the things for me yeah. is the focus. You know, like I, when I have people sitting there with me, I'm not going to check over, you know, bounce over to email or wander around the house because I feel like I'm, I'm there for them too. Like if it were just for me, right. <laughs> it's easier to like blow off my own stuff. But if I've got other people there and we're holding the space for each other, then I, I just feel like this is more important and we're doing this together. I also find it very grounding and soothing to be Mm. in the process, in the presence of other people when I'm doing something that is not so straightforward. Like a lot of my writing I feel is sometimes challenging or it takes me to places that are a little more uncomfortable, like in terms of emotions or you know, just things like that. It's not like, you know, sending off an email or filling out a form or permission slip, yeah. you know, there's something that's just a little bit edgy to it. And mm-hmm. so having friends or other people in the same boat sitting there with me just calms my nervous system down. Yeah, I love that. Do you also work? I mean, I know you've been a writer for a long time and we'll talk a little bit about how we sort of connected as writers way back in the day. But you also are a creativity coach now. Do you work directly, like individually with clients as well? Yeah, yeah. People can set up a session with me on my website. And I love to work with people one-on-one and just hear what people are struggling with, what, what they need. You know, sometimes it's, you know, helping to focus on a project they want to do. Sometimes it's, you know, just needing someone else to care about what they're doing yeah. and their you know, their interests and their whatever it is, like there are so many obstacles to creativity and working on projects for ourselves. 
that to have somebody there who's like kind of standing next to you, rooting for you, caring about your projects can be really life-changing. I have found in my own, my own, for my own self, I love having a supporter or a mentor or somebody who cares about my creative projects because really nobody besides that person, like nobody cares if I sit down and do my writing. Like my husband is not going to you know, it's not going to bother him. The kids aren't going to notice. Like nobody notices except for me if I sit down and do what's important to me. Mm. So that's why I think it's sometimes really, really nice to have somebody else in your life that can be that person that can check in on you and and support you and help you find solutions. That is so true. Nobody in your life is going to notice and they might care in a roundabout way. Like they care about that you get to do what you want to do, but they're not going to be the ones who make sure that that happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, Amy, you and I met way back in the ye old blogging days when we were both sort of these, I don't know, like workaday bloggers. I feel like we each had our, our little online, you know, empires that we were building. This would have been like 2010, maybe 2011, someplace in there, I think is when we connected. And Mm -hmm. Things have really changed over the past, gosh, 13 years, as we both know, in the worlds that we inhabit. Do you think that the world we're in now um, makes it harder to be a creative person or easier? Mm. That's a tricky question, I know, because probably both, right? Yeah, I mean, I I was going to say maybe harder. I'm sure there are reasons for the other, but. I just feel like our world just keeps getting faster and Mm. faster. And I just, there's like a breathless quality to our society. And that to me makes it harder to sit down and do something that does not have, you know, a monetary value that nobody needs, that there's no deadline, no urgency. And it feels, you know, we, there's this sort of like, anxiety or this this just sort of tension this buzzing tension I feel like in our world at least I notice it that like I've always got to be doing stuff doing more doing Mm. you know crossing things off the to-do list and that makes it hard to to do something that sort of flies in the face of that that saying like it's valuable and important just to do something that's fun that feeds my soul that feels good you know, and that does not cross off any boxes. And like we were saying, nobody else probably really cares if we're doing it. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. There's also a performative nature to it that I don't think was always there, at least not in the way back days necessarily. I read an article that on platforms like Instagram, fewer and fewer people are actually posting, more people are consuming. So it's becoming like professionalized. So we see it, we think it's social, but it's really just media. <laughs> and it's, it's, mm. it kind of seems like anybody could be in there creating, but it's becoming to the point where as the bar raises, fewer and fewer people are actually engaging as creators, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. I sensed that when we were doing the blogs, like first mm-hmm. it was just moms like me and you, you yep. know, like, oh, cool. I can start my own. And that's one reason why it is easier to be creative these days, I think is because the access to like free websites and all the tools and stuff is so much, it's just everywhere. And there's so much there, the gatekeepers, the, the, the giant gates have come down and there's so much 
so many other ways that we can be creative. But on the other hand, like slowly as we, the moms were doing these blogs and connecting with readers and stuff, the corporations started like jumping on the bandwagon being, oh, we want a blog too. And we want to connect with these women that you're connecting with because we want to sell them things. So anyway, so they started having blogs and then you're basically competing, you know, on the world wide web with corporations for attention and all that stuff. So that made it more stressful and less fun. Yeah. And yeah, totally agree. And I think we've seen we've seen now the cycles happen, play out with yeah, blogging when as soon as the big publications and the big media companies got in, it was like, OK, well, what chance does your average mom sitting in a house yeah. without an SEO team? You know what? She's now got to turn this into a serious business just to keep up, just to keep readers finding her. So then it happened. Yeah. It happens with podcasts. It's happened with social. It's happened with video. It's, you know, it's the whole, the cycle just keeps repeating itself, which is why I kind of love this focus on smaller and slower and community. And, and the thing that I think you and I have talked a lot about is creating just for the sake of creating, because creating in and of itself is valuable. Okay, friends, you have already heard me talk about my new Uptown Loafers from our sponsor, Vionic. I love these versatile, classic, and comfy slip-on shoes, and the Uptown Loafer is part of the Vionic Vitals collection, which is what I want to tell you about today. Vionic Vitals contains some of Vionic's most versatile daily styles. So if you've been curious about Vionic but are overwhelmed by all the choices, start with the Vitals collection first. The Willow Flat was my very first Vionic style, and I have been in love with it for years. I'm also eyeballing the Chardonnay Heeled Sandal for summer date nights. Like all of Vionic's footwear, the shoes in the Vionic Vitals line are super comfortable, stable, and supportive with Vionic's exclusive Viomotion technology. Go to vionicshoes.com vitals to find the vitals collection and use the code TEASEMADE at checkout for 15% off your entire order, plus free shipping when you log into your account. That code is good for a one-time use only, so be sure to make the most of it. That's TEASEMADE, T-E-A-S-M-A-D-E, for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com. So let's talk a little bit about that. Why do you think it is that we're wired to create, that creating is something that feeds us? Why is it important, even if there's no product? Mm -hmm. I just feel that the nature of the universe is creative, Mm -hmm. that we are living, we are part of an incredibly overflowing, ever-changing ever burgeoning universe. And because we are part of nature, we are like that too. And it is just our, I just feel like it makes us feel alive to be creating. And I'm not talking about art. I'm talking Mm. about just anything like, you know, sending an email to a friend to get together or, you know, having a party or deciding what you're going to make for dinner or how you're going to use all the leftovers in your refrigerator or, you know, planting a plant. I mean, it's just finding a new way of of getting to work, you know, to avoid traffic. Like we're always finding new things and creating new things. And it doesn't have to be, like you say, a product. You don't have to say, look, I made this, you know, needlepoint. And so I have 
done something creative. Like, I think that yeah. that word can often scare people away because it's become associated with the arts. And so we're wary to say that I'm creative because then people assume that you're artistic and you have a certain special talent. Mm. And then that also carries its own weight because if someone does say that they're creative or that they, you know, want to be a writer or something, then all of a sudden there's this pressure like, oh, it has to be good. And <laughs> other people have to like, it has to like live up to certain standards. Yeah. Whereas I think that is like counter to the whole spirit of creativity. Yeah. Which is ideally just a natural flow, like a play, a just a sort of the natural way that we are. And, you know, if you look at children and how they play or the kittens we just adopted, I mean, they need to, they will play with anything. And what <laughs> I love is that they purr when they're playing. Yeah. Like they, it makes them happy to play. And I think that adults have lost a lot of that, sadly. And it's because, it's not because of us, it's our society and all the messages that we get from, you know, like capitalism and you know, utilitarianism and all the just sort of the overculture, the sort of pressures it puts on us yeah. to do something that has to have a point or a sales value or, you know, some some kind of purpose for society. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even the sharing can become a trap. And we talked a little bit about that with social media, but I think sometimes it can feel like if there's not something to show or if someone didn't see me do it, did it even happen? <laughs> and yes. it's happening all the time. Like you said, I was organizing my vanity this morning and I'm looking at it now because I'm sitting on my bed recording and I like the way I lined up the bottles and the way I grouped the brushes and my makeup brushes and all those things. I was having a creative moment and I didn't even realize it was happening, but it felt really good. I can see now that I grouped colors together. I didn't even know that I was doing that. It was unconscious, but very pleasurable. And I think if I felt like I had to go now take a picture of that and share it, I kind of want to because it's really pretty, but I'm not going to, I'm going to resist, but then it would, there's nothing wrong with sharing. But if I felt like everything I went into had to be shared or had to be monetizable or had to be art, then I think that would take a lot away just from being human. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I understand that desire, though, to get recognition for, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's almost like to prove that it really happened. Like, yeah. I am I'm doing something. I'm I'm a valuable person. And I think that's this like poisonous message that mm. we're getting from our society that especially for like moms who, you know, don't work outside the home, like our, our job is not really that valued. And so we want to like, say like, Hey, look at me. I'm, I am doing something <laughs> interesting and valuable, but you're right. Like there is something about once we then like share it, 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 it gets tainted by this whole, you know, prove myself, prove myself. Yeah. How does thing. that play out for you? And I, I know we have this in common where our, our creative pursuits, the ones that are primary to us, writing and are also a way that we earn money, are also a way that we grow an audience. And that can be a little bit of a trap sometimes because it's like, did does it all have to be just because it's a piece of writing, for example, does it have to be for consumption? I'm sure I know what you're going to say to that. But also, do you ever find yourself feeling like you need to do something other than writing 
creatively just to kind of rewire the circuit that maybe is telling you this is a thing I do for a reason so that people will read it and people will pay me or whatever that cycle looks like for you. Yeah, I mean, I what I tend to fall into is the trap of writing for other people. Like I I have a blog on the creative process called Tending the Creative Garden and I don't have any trouble writing that. I do it every 2 weeks and sending it out to people because I don't know, there is something about this accountability and feeling like someone's expecting it and that this matters to somebody. Whereas I have a little more trouble working on the stuff that I'm not sure anybody's ever going to see. You know, it's writing micro memoirs or personal essay. Then often those things don't end up getting finished or they don't go anywhere or I, you know, just change gears and I decide to do something else. So that there's so much writing I have that will never, ever see the light of day. Like I spent four years writing yeah. a memoir that I don't, that I basically have abandoned. I don't know if I'll ever pick it up again. So that, that can be hard to do if there's no like immediate payback for it. Right. Yeah. You know, like, but you don't, but you know that that wasn't wasted time. How do you know that? Yeah, I mean, I I gone back and forth with that, and I grieved the fact that I left it, and I spent all this time doing it. But yes, like when I look back on like some of the first things that I wrote in that, I cringed. I was mm. like, "Oh my god, I thought this was pretty good when I wrote it," <laughs> and it's terrible. It's like you know, a fourth grader wrote it. Not that, I mean, actually, I fourth graders write amazingly, but you know what I'm just saying. It felt like I had come a long way since I wrote the stuff in the beginning of the memoir. So I was practicing. And that's another thing that I think writers and other, some other artists don't get is don't, we, we don't get the benefit of this idea of practice. Like mm. my daughter plays the piano and there's so much that's, you know, it's practicing and that's part of it. It's like, you don't just, you don't sit down and spend a half an hour practicing and then be like, oh, that was wasted because I didn't. Right. <laughs> produce anything from that half an hour. Like, you know, musicians practice all the time. And so why don't I think of my writing more as practice? And, but I think it's maybe because the words get put down on the paper or the computer and yeah. so it feels like a physical thing or product. Yeah. You know, instead of like notes in the air that sort of disappear after they've been played. So that's, I think, a little bit of a challenge for a lot of writers is seeing their work as practice and as play instead of always working towards a finished product. Imagine if there was a program, maybe someone needs to invent this, where as you typed, your words just disappeared. <laughs> I oh. guess it's called a keyboard that's not plugged in, but like, <laughs> I'm just thinking that would drive me crazy because so much of what I do as a writer is edit and you wouldn't be able to do, you wouldn't be able to edit. Even if I never right. had any intention of anything being seen, I would still want to change things as I was going. But also, I just, I can't decide if that would be terrible or really freeing. Yeah. I don't I know. know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's sort of like the idea of like writing in a journal and then burning it. Yeah. Um, so it depends on, I think, what your purpose is for writing. Like if you are really just writing to get out some terrible feelings that you don't want anybody right. to see. 
or whether you're writing because you want it to be something to share with people eventually. It's kind of like, have you ever had, well, I'm 100% sure you have had this experience where you're walking or you're in the shower and this piece of writing comes to you and it is amazing. And then you sit down and you can never recreate it. I mean, was it amazing in our heads? I don't know. Maybe not. Like maybe it wasn't, maybe it didn't flow quite as well as we thought it did when it was just words in the, in the ether. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. totally. I know. I'm like, wait, like, like, did it just sound really good in my head? I mean, I think that's actually a huge challenge of being a writer is taking something abstract and sort of fantastical and then trying to translate that into, and with a writer, all you're working with are words, like using those like building blocks to make that amazing thing that you've imagined in your head. And it is Ooh, yeah, that can be quite hard, quite frustrating and really disappointing, you know, and sometimes you just have to be like, this is the best I can do and and release it. But it's you know, it it can be hard. Yeah. You know, that's one of the hard things about writing and probably making art for many people. Mm. Okay, friends, I got my pair of Uptown Loafers from our sponsor, Vionic, and I just had to tell you about them. They're cute and classic and really lightweight, and they do actually pack flat. I am definitely going to be taking these on all my spring travels, and I can see myself wearing them with everything from jeans and trousers to dresses and maybe a little later on shorts. I got them in camel leather, but they come in 12 different colors. The Uptown Loafer is part of the Vionic Vitals collection, which features some of their most versatile daily styles. And of course, you know you can count on your Vionics to be super comfortable, stable, and supportive. Use code TEASEMADE at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That code's good for a one-time use only at vionicshoes.com, and again, you're going to get 15% off your entire order. I'll also have a link to that offer on my shop page, and you can find that in the show notes. Again, the code is TEASEMADE, T-E-A-S-M-A-D-E, at bionicshoes.com. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Well, during the retreat that, that I just had a few weeks ago, you facilitated a creativity workshop, and I thought it was really interesting. People trapped in a room at a retreat were sort of, I I don't want to use the word forced, but I'm just going to use the word forced (laughs) to like go through something they might not have elected into otherwise, you know, so like a a creativity workshop was part of a week long, weekend long experience. They might not have signed up for just that on its own, which is, that was interesting. There was a few people who said, I really didn't think I was going to like this, or I really didn't think this was for me. Do you hear that from other people a lot where they just don't, think of themselves as creative people. And we've kind of touched on that, the whole idea that, you know, creativity and art are not the same and it conflating those can be really hard. And then I guess my second question is if you feel like you're someone who is in a place where you don't have a creative pursuit, either because it never occurred to you that you should, or because you've gotten away from it, what are some baby steps those people can use to kind of get back into a creative flow? Yes. Well, for your first point, I think that 
Yeah, the idea of creative or the word creatives, which is, you know, supposedly refers to people in some kind of art field, has scared people away from identifying themselves as creative. Whereas I feel like everybody is creative and all nature and the universe is creative and it just shows up in different ways. Maybe you're, you know, organizing a meeting or coming up with a new way to make dinner or how you raise your children or the different ways you decide to, you know, celebrate holidays. Like just every day, even just how you're going to fit all the things you want to do into one day is a creative act. The words that you speak, every conversation has never been said before. So mm. it's just the world is burgeoning with creativity and we don't need to think of it at all as one of the arts or even the household arts. So if you, for people who are, you know, I remember going to retreat one time and the the facilitator asked us what is play for us and i started crying because mm. i was like i don't know what that yeah. means mm-hmm. i was probably in my mid 40s and i was totally depleted with raising children and just being a mom and just giving myself over to everybody and in fact it's interesting now i think about it cuz i'd given up my blog I felt that I got too ambitious with it and I sort of just tore it down and decided to devote myself all to the children, family, volunteering, you know, giving back to the community. And I went in the, the opposite direction and I basically prostrated myself <sighs> and to everybody else yeah. feeling guilty. And, and I became like an empty shell. Mm. I was just giving to other people, but I had lost my sense of self. And so this idea of Play was just, it was so sad to me that I didn't even know what that was anymore. And so for, I would recommend, I think one of the things that helped me was to think about what I loved to do as a child. Because children just naturally play. They naturally do things that they feel like. They don't have all these prescriptions like, oh, you got to be concerned about his or her feelings first, or you got to do you know, your responsibilities for, they just, they follow their feelings and their impulses and they do what they feel like. And so much of it is play. So what did you, what were you, what did you have fun doing? What were some of the things you liked doing as a child? So that's the first, first Mm. thing to think about. And you could even, this sounds a little morbid, but I, I feel like we, we think we have so much time in Mm. our lives, but what if something, what if we imagined our life wasn't so long? Yeah. What what would we be sad that we hadn't done yet? Or what would, what if we didn't have to work so hard? What would we be doing? Mm. And those sometimes can get to like sort of a tender part inside of us that feels not heard anymore or neglected and that might need or want to be coaxed out a little bit. And it can be like small things like, you know, it. and I also feel like people shouldn't feel like they need to do it by themselves. Like, okay, well, I realized that I, I loved nature. And so I want to, you know, do some more hikes and woods and stuff. But so now I've got to like find the roots and buy the boots and all mm-hmm. this stuff. But what about, you know, getting together with a friend or signing up for 
a class or things like that, because when you're with other people, it's just so much easier to do what you want for yourself. Right. Yeah. When you don't feel like you're giving up all these other things that you're supposed to be doing. Like I said, it's this calming the nervous system down in community. I just really believe that that's so important. Yeah. One of the sessions of yours that I was in, you asked the question, if I didn't have to, so it was like a prompt, you know, we were, we were journaling. If I didn't have to work so hard, I would. And that question kind of turned a lot of things on its side for me because it actually, it, it sort of helped me ask myself, well, wait, why do I have to work so hard? Do I have to work so hard? So not only like if I didn't have to, I could do whatever the thing was I wrote on the line. But even just questioning that idea of like why we do the things we do that crowd out the play. Are they as important as we think? Are they as vital as we think? Do we actually have to do them? And I think that can be a really good place to start. Yes. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's the hyper emphasis on efficiency and productivity in our culture that makes us feel like as soon as we get one thing done, we got to do the next one. Mm. And how can we do this faster? How can we do more of these things? And, and that, yeah, maybe we don't need to be doing all that. And what if we could put on the brakes a little bit on that and wander around and see what else is, is there for us? What else wants to be heard? Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Amy. As a reminder, Amy is the wonderful facilitator of our weekly co-create group at my private community, The Tea Circle. You can join us there at theteacircle.mn.co, and I'll put a link in the show notes as well. I also wanted to remind you that our year-round book club has kicked off on my Substack at meganfrancis.substack.com. We're reading The Comfort of Crows by Margaret Renkel, and we're taking the whole year to get through it. I have so many great activities planned and can't wait to see this book club unfold. And I hope to see you there. Again, that's at meganfrancis.substack.com. That's all for this episode of The Teas Made. You can find links to the products and other things we talked about today in the show notes for this episode. You can find that by scrolling down below the episode in your podcast app, or you can go to theteasmade.com and find all the episodes plus resources, links to my favorite teas and books and other products, a link to my private community for women, and so much more. I share new episodes every Thursday, so please follow or subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And while you're in your podcast app, I would love if you'd leave a rating or review. It really helps me out so much. Okay, friends, that's all for now. I will talk to you again very soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals. 
with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. If you're enjoying the Teas Made podcast, I would love for you to check out my blog, which is also called The Teas Made. We're doing something called the So Slow Book Club, where I'm writing about the same book all year long. And I'm writing regular essays on everything from sending kids to college to why and what I'm loving creating in the kitchen these days. When you subscribe for free, you'll get my posts in your email inbox, or you can jump in on the conversation over at my page. I also have some optional goodies for paid subscribers that you're going to want to check out too. Spring is here, and I have a long list of topics I'm planning to cover. Everything from updated skincare recommendations to some recipes for fun spring-themed beverages. Come join the conversation about connection and creativity at theteasmade.com.